Hey, it's Cambrio from CambrioMusic.com, and today I have an interview with the wonderful Jasmine Lemus, a writer, photographer, and the creator of the Keep It Posy podcast. Thanks for coming by, and let's get started. Yes, how's it going? Thanks a lot for coming by. Yeah, no worries. Thank you for asking me. Um, your website's pretty awesome. I love the design of it. Thank you. Have you. Did you make it all yourself? Yeah. So as far as the template, I just, uh, it took me a while to figure out what I wanted to do, but I just pretty much, I didn't make it. I just pretty much went to, um, went to see what Squarespace had. Right. And it just took me a while to figure out which ones I wanted to mess with first and, okay. and then see because when I first started the website, I didn't, I didn't know, like everything that's on there now was not in my head at all of what I wanted it to look like. Okay. Um, or what I, or what I wanted it to be. So I just, um, I just, I just chose the template cause it did, it took me maybe about a month or so every weekend I would spend time figuring out what I liked and what I didn't like about the templates about right. the templates that I ended up liking. And so this one was like the one that I'm like, all right, I think this is the one where I'm just gonna have the easiest time with and I like the look of. Yeah, I've been checking out Highland. I, I noticed you posted one of their songs. Oh yeah, they. Uh, I just found out about them about a week ago. And yeah, they, they one of their people hit me up and I was like, all right, cool, I'll, I'll check it out. And I'm like, okay, I like it. I like what the song is about. And uh, I went and checked out their other stuff. And I'm like, I, I like what I like what this band is doing. Okay. Um, how do you usually find out about new bands? Usually, it depends. Sometimes it'll be word of mouth from friends. Other times it'll be from press releases. Uh, I'll check out to see what like the bigger magazines who they're talking about. Um, then I notice that I, cause sometimes there'll be a band that's been around for like five years, let's yeah. say, but you haven't actually made time to check them out. And then you're, you're, you've ended up finding out, okay, they just put out a new album. Like, okay, you've been wanting to check them out. Like, this is probably probably the time to do it. Yeah. Do you think in the internet age, the past few years, it's it's changed how people find new music? Yeah. Um, for me, it, I feel like there's a plus and a minus to it. The plus side is that there's no reason why people that are music fans like there's no excuse for us to not find out about new music, right? Because right. we have all these sources, we have all these resources. We have Spotify and Bandcamp. We have, uh, you know, again, all like these DIY music websites that are talking about all these bands, and we have. Um, speaking about Bandcamp, sorry. Yeah. Um, we have the. We have labels putting out all these samplers and do like a pay what you want type stuff 
and that's how and then you also have labels that maybe are not necessarily making those comps but yeah. they're create curating those spotify playlists and and you're just it, it's just one of those things like for example uh this past friday asian man and bad timing records i believe they put yeah. out that scott compilation yeah i got that and yeah so there's some bands on there that i'm fans of uh, i'm a fan of but then there's other bands that i actually have not heard of until now yeah um and so that's the plus to it i feel like the only negative about all the access that we have to music is that there's so much that it, it you forget sometimes that there's all these other bands and it's it's the i think it has something to do with the attention span okay uh and so i constantly have to i i a few years back had to start making the next cell spreadsheet really keep track of all the bands that keep that put out music because otherwise i just you know i forget like i if i didn't have the spreadsheet i would have forgotten that the front bottoms put out an album just a few weeks ago right right and if it, if it wasn't for that spreadsheet and then i also get a chance to go back and look at what what bands put stuff out back in 2014 yeah and for whatever reason i didn't give that album a enough of a spin if right, that makes right. sense yeah the, on that comp do you know uh planet smashers i do not okay so they're a band from montreal and i kind of live near there so they're like really uh popular around here oh cool do they yeah. um Go ahead. Do they play down there often or no? Yeah, I mean, uh, it's we're up in Canada, right? So it's cold most of the year, so we don't get a lot. But when bands do come around, we we go all the time. Oh, cool! Yeah, that's awesome. That that's one of the things too. I was gonna say, I think a, a regional thing too, because sometimes like some bands are only able to make it out to certain areas near their town. Yeah, because of whatever reason, maybe they don't. Someone in the band can't take so such long time off from work or because of school. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's awesome. Well, hopefully they'll be able to come back through soon once we're uh, we got we got this stuff under control. Yeah. So they have a label called Stomp Records. Have you ever heard of that? I sounds familiar. Yeah, and it was one of the band called the Flatliners on Stomp Records, if you like more of a ska punk feel. Oh, okay. Yes, I know the Flatliners. And if you're really interested, uh, Planet Smashers even has some songs in French. Oh, wow. <laughs> okay. I'll check that out. Um, yeah, I'm, cur I'm curious to know because I do speak Spanish, so I wonder how much of that I'll be able to like try and figure out. Right, what they're right. Saying. Probably not a lot, but yeah. Um, I saw on your um page you list some charities on your website. Uh-huh. So you think um activism is important for musicians? I think so. I uh uh one one example that I could think of right away is when I was in high school, I uh I was I started going to Warp Tour probably my junior year when I was like 15, 16 years old. Okay. And, you know, 
all these bands that I listened to were very involved with PETA. And right. had I not known what they do, I I actually gave I I gave up meat for about a year or so because of that. Uh-huh. Uh because it had it not been for them, I wouldn't have been exposed to some of the footage that that goes on. Right. Uh and you know, well, I, I went back to eating meat after because it was just a lot of arguing with my parents about all that. I got you. And they just kept saying, it's it's a phase, it's a phase. But over a year ago, I, I gave it up again because I realized I don't really eat a lot of it anyway, so why not just cut it out completely? Right. Uh, and it wasn't, it was, you know, because my love for animals, but also be, for health reasons that I just, okay. that I gave it up. Um, I do eat fish every now and then, but even then it's not, um, it's not everything. I'm very, it, it's very rare that I do eat fish, but going back to like the activism thing, I feel like it's important for bands and, you know, any celebrity really, because people become more aware of, of what's going on out there, whatever it could be. Um, I'm big act like I love animals and I'm a big activist when it comes yeah. to that. And I do feel like with everything going on um, in America with, with the whole black lives matter movement, right. Uh, there's been a lot of bands that have been vocal about it. And I, I guess going back to the uh, ska against racism comp, like people are like, wow. Okay. Not only do I get to get, this cool record or the digital compilation and I cop up the money for it, but I'm, but that money is also going to an important cause. Right. So what are some of your most memorable concert experiences? Oh man, that's a, uh, at the top of my head, I'm going to go with uh, Riot Fest 2014. Okay just because it was my first time going to a festival out of state. And that lineup, I just feel that was the perfect lineup for me. Uh, because when you go to a festival, I think it's a good problem to have when you're missing the bands just because they keep overlapping with their set times. Yeah. And that was happen that happened a couple of times when I went to Riot Fest that year. I mean, from the minute that doors opened, I was already there. Right. When doors opened all the way till the very end. Unfortunately, on the first day I did have to leave. Um, I believe I could be wrong, but I believe it was Jane's addiction headlining that night. Okay. And I I'm not the biggest fan. But I was, I was, I was gonna. I had plans on sticking around for them, but I had to leave during Rise Against because the rain that day was really bad. Oh, that's too bad. Where was that? It was in Chicago. Okay, yeah. So, but that that lineup was awesome. The first time I went to Coachella, that was that was the same thing where all the some of the set times were overlapping. Yeah. Uh, and that that was in 2011, and so those two festivals those lineups I, I i still have really like awesome memories of it and i guess i'll throw another one out there just yeah. last year was my first time going to um to fest in gainesville 
And it was such a different experience because it was out of state, but it felt like such a community there. And there was just a handful of friends. The Fest? Okay. So, yeah, because it was a handful of us there, we were just having the best time. And, and, it it's a, it bums us that we can't go back this year because of of the situation that we're in right now. But yeah. I feel like once shows resume and festivals resume and we're able to go back, whenever that is, to what they used to be, yeah. I, I feel like everyone's gonna appreciate it even more, and and just not that we were taking things like that for granted before but it, it it's i feel like we're gonna leave the shows feeling different about our lives yeah i know that riot fest came up to canada a couple of times but we just don't have mm-hmm. the numbers up here so they usually just stop coming once in a while oh no yeah it's funny like Did it, wh- go ahead go- oh i was just gonna say uh were they gonna have it up there this year uh, they had it, I think, for two years, and the third year they had to give away a lot of tickets, and then I think they just kind of stopped, stopped coming up. Oh man, um, that sucks. Hopefully they'll make it back up there, or they bring some another festival that's similar to it. Yeah, I know, because a lot of bands come up from like Cleveland and Detroit, but we're just so spread out. You're driving for hours pretty much to get anywhere. But Hopefully yeah. they'll bring it back next year or the year after. So, sorry, I'm just looking at something here. Are you familiar with Mark Ronson, the producer? Yes. So I heard him on a podcast recently, and he said on Spotify, your song has to be three minutes or shorter, or else it won't get into playlists. Oh, boy. So, and you know, if songs aren't listened all the way through... It kind of puts them in a bad category sometimes, right? Okay. So do you think that is harder on the creative process? If people have to think about that? Uh, I feel that it might depend on the band and what their goals are. Yeah. Um, because I'll be honest, the, the Spotify playlist that Spotify like official curators create i honestly haven't taken a look to see i guess i i I don't pay attention to see the duration of the songs that they add to those playlists yeah um but i feel like it all depends on the band like what what's their goal is their goal to um to land on a huge spotify playlist or is the goal to write a song that they're happy with and they they want to be able to give their fans and if the goal is to just try to land on a spotify playlist yeah and i I feel like this is something that i've heard from a couple of of radio people that are in programming but if your goal is to write a song just to end up on the radio then maybe reevaluate the the process of your songwriting and think is that really what is that really why i'm writing this music i mean if 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 the song ends up being a product that the band loves and the fans love and and that was the whole goal and it ends up being less than three minutes then 
that's awesome. Right. Um, but I've never really paid attention to the duration of a song, to be honest. Because sometimes I think about some of my favorite songs, and some of them are like, they're lengthy. Yeah. So, I, I don't know. I think it depends. And then it might also depend on the listener. Like, is the listener a radio person or is the listener just about, hey, you know what? I listen to the bands on Spotify and the stuff I buy off of Bandcamp or I listen to the stuff on vinyl and that's that's me. Yeah, and do you notice yeah. it seems like a lot of artists kind of trickle out one song at a time now instead of kind of promoting an album? Yeah. Do you think that has to do with kind of lengthening how how much people hear those songs? In a way, yes. I guess if you look at it from a marketing standpoint, of course, there's Bands, you know, they'll drop a single or two before they put out their EP or their album. Um, and I guess it goes back to to see how that's how they land on these big Spotify playlists. And that's how people end up finding out about them. And they're like, oh, cool. This song is going to come out on this record they're putting out next month. And it just... Then there's also bands that don't put out albums or EPs and they just put out singles. Yeah. And, and it works for some of them. Um, yeah. I'm trying to, uh, yeah, I'm trying to think of one, but yeah, there's bands that do that or there's bands that end up just, yeah, I think it all just depends on the band and what they, what their marketing ideas are. I think. Yeah. I also saw some comments that uh, I think it was the head of Spotify said that, he almost is trying to push people to put out music faster. He said bands can't spend two or three years anymore on an album. Like, what do you think about that? Yeah. When he, when he made that comment, I saw a lot of people, it, I think it, it looks like it just became controversial. Yeah. Um, and for me, that seems, you just got to let the bands do their thing. Uh, I can understand if you're looking at it from a money-making point of view, but I look at all, a lot of the bands that I listen to, and they don't care about that. They just care about being able to create music that before they they don't want to rush it, right? You know, so um, I I'm with them on that. Like when you and something that my my mom has always told me is if you're gonna do something do it right yeah like so in this case a lot of these bands don't want to rush it they want to be able to make sure okay how you know I, I mean i i've never i've i only been in the recording studio like twice yeah. but you know bands don't knock out the album in one day no so it takes they go through a a lot of takes and and because the, they want to make sure it's done right so i do i do i have to stick with the bands that are are saying no dude like we want to be able to we want to be able to put this out at our own pace and and we want to be able to be happy with the result of that um yeah do you have any dream guests you would want for your podcast? 
Oh my gosh. To be honest, I feel like I do have some dream guests, but I also feel like like the big ones, big ones. Right. I don't know who the biggest one is because when I started it, I just wanted to do it just to talk to my friends that are in bands or that work in the industry somehow and just to get their story out. Um, because I feel like a lot of the podcasts are always talking about the bigger bands. They're always talking to the bigger bands. Yeah. Uh, but there's a lot of local bands or smaller bands that don't get that attention. But if I had like a dream get, if I had a like, I yeah. mean, I don't know how many I'm allowed to hear, but I think from a journalistic standpoint, and it's not even a band or an actor or anything, but I would actually want to talk to Anderson Cooper. Oh yeah, cool. Because he's, um, I just feel like when he talks to the like the common everyday person, he has a style that he doesn't use that I don't feel he uses with someone who's famous. Yeah. So, uh, you know, especially right now with the, oh, yeah, sorry, go, go ahead. ahead. No, go, you go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say, especially with, with the election coming around, I feel like a, a lot of these journalists, you know, are, are talking to people that are taking part in the campaigns of, of the candidates. And, right. but I feel like the everyday common folk is not getting that attention right now, which I feel like they should. But with him, like when I've seen him talk to, people like your everyday person i just feel like he has a way to show empathy towards others well that's really interesting um you ever you remember anthony bourdain the uh the uh, chef no so maybe anthony, if i see a picture he i think he had a travel. oh yeah, yeah, yeah. sorry yeah yeah, yeah. sorry yeah, he, he tragically he passed away but um yeah parts unknown i think was his show uh-huh where he went around the world and just tried new things. He was actually really big into punk music. Really? Yeah. Um, he talks about seeing like the Ramones and all these bands back in the day. I need to look into that. And um, there's a really good podcast. It's called Turned Out of Punk. Have you heard of that one? It does sound familiar. The, ho the host is a guy named Damien Abraham. Uh-huh. And he's a guy from Toronto, and he has a band called Effed Up. Okay. And they're like a hardcore kind of punk band. But, yeah, he talked to Anthony Bourdain and a lot of guys. It's really interesting. Oh, I need to check that out. Do you have any favorite kind of music documentaries or movies? Documentaries or movies? Like music I'm trying to think here. I could sit and watch. One of my favorite bands of all time is Something Corporate. Right. Yeah. So that last concert that they did in Ventura back in 2004, I mean, I could watch that on repeat um, because I didn't get to see the band until they reunited in 2010. Yeah. So that DVD was, was my go-to before I saw them. Uh, as far as concerts, that would be it. Uh, as far as documentaries, though... Um, do you know mm. the band um, at the drive-in? Yes. Yeah, it's kind of similar. 
they broke up originally back in 2000, kind of at their height of their popularity. And then just the last, yeah. then just the last couple of years, they did their kind of a reunion tour that I finally got to see. Oh, how was that? It was really good. Um, there's a few, I might send you a link. Their final few shows were in Brazil and the crowds were uh -huh. just insane. The crowds were just insane. Yeah, I bet. I know that I didn't get to see them, but um, when they did Coachella, when they reunited there, right? Um, from what I heard, it was just insane and awesome. So I got to check that out. Um, so what was your last, do you remember the last concert you went to before we kind of had to get locked down? Oh, yes, for sure. It'll be, what, today's the sixth, right? Uh, yeah. So on Tuesday, it'll be six months since I went to the last show. It was White Reaper at the Troubadour. Okay. Um, yeah, and I, I didn't realize the, the intensity and the, the seriousness of what we were actually in until everybody from work started getting sent home. Yeah, um, yeah. And so, yeah. So that was that was the last show. And the night before that, I saw the Wonder Years and Spanish Love Songs out in L.A. Um, that, was that, that was actually the last show I shot, too. Yeah, I've always wanted to kind of see those clubs. There's uh, the Whiskey. Is that one, too? Yeah, the Whiskey. The Whiskey is leg legendary. I'll be honest. I haven't been there since I was, like, probably a freshman in uh, college. My yeah. first year in college. Um, a lot of bands that play there now are like um, local acts. Okay. And so they've, yeah, but it's a legendary venue. The last big thing that happened there that I could recall was a few months ago when, not actually, I think it was last year, the around the days that Green Day announced that, that tour with Fallout Boy and Weezer and, yeah. and the Interrupters. Yeah. So I believe it was that same week that, all three bands, excluding the Interrupters, but the other three, they played a show at the Whiskey, and it was just crazy. I, I didn't go, but I, I, I have friends who ended up getting in. Yeah. And, I mean, it's, it's just such a legendary venue. I couldn't remember what the capacity was, but pretty much any, any venue on the Strip yeah. um, has, has its great stories, and, and yeah, it, it's... It was just one of those venues that is responsible for the success of these other bands that have been at it for a long time. Yeah, I know in 2016, actually, Guns N' Roses, they started their reunion tour at the Troubadour. Is that what it was? I think so, because there was, like, rumors for a while that they were going get, to get back together, and then I think it was a surprise show, and then they were just playing stadiums after that. Oh, that sounds right. Um yeah, and they were going to do another tour, but, you know, this this pandemic changed stuff. Was it then? No, I don't know. Um, a lot of these older bands are coming back and just announcing stuff, but because of the virus, it's things have either gotten canceled or postponed, and yeah. Pretty much the last thing I wanted to ask was about, you know all those kind of VIP packages that have come out in the last few years? Yes. Do you think those are kind of going to be changed forever now? Because I can't see a lot of bands meeting, you know, people anymore. You know, I think down here, 
I don't know about other states, but down here in Southern California, they're doing like the first row of, of cars and then everything else is like GA. Yeah. And so I know that if you want to want to be in the first row, you know, the fees are, are bigger, but it's hard to say. I think um, if they end up still doing VIP ticket type stuff, I don't know if any of them are going to include meet and greets for now. You know, maybe not for the older bands, though they won't do them for a while if they decide to, to return to that. But I don't know. It's, it's scary and, and it's, it's going to take some, some brains to figure out how, they, how the live music stuff is going gonna, is gonna to happen now because of this whole thing going on. But I feel like right now, for the next couple of years, once concerts resume, maybe they might not include the meet and greets. Maybe they'll have like exclusive tour posters yeah. or, or merchandise, you know, things like that. They'll, they'll most likely still include, but as far as meet and greets, I don't know. It's hard to say. I don't, I, I don't see it happening with the older bands. Yeah. I don't see it happening with like Molly crew or Steely Dan or hollow notes or any of those older acts. I could see it happening with, with the younger bands, um, you know, that do these meet and greet VIP things. Like, you know, who, who are, I'm trying to think, like, I know Newfound Glory has done them and Dashboard. Right. Maybe, maybe bands around those ages, they'll keep doing them. But I don't know. I don't, I don't know that older, older bands that have been at it for like 40 years will, will pick that up. In a year or so, maybe if I'm ever, uh, you know, in the area, I'll, I'll, I'll give you a shout. Yeah, for sure. Hopefully we'll be able to uh, fly us Americans to other places, you know, not with, not just within our country. I'll have to check out. At this out, point, I'm not. I'll have to check out the rainbow. What? The rainbow, isn't that yeah, the, Yeah, the rainbow. So, yeah, dude, the rainbow is right next to uh, the Roxy. Okay. The, yeah, the Roxy Theater. So the Rainbow, the Roxy, and the Whiskey, the Go-Go are on the same block. Yeah. I don't know if you knew that, but they're all on the same block. And that whole strip is, is so legendary. I think, a quick story, I was working at, um, at K-Rock, the world-famous K-Rock, when this happened. But U2 was playing... A, a like last minute secret show at the Roxy. Oh yeah. And the Roxy holds about mm, no more than like 800 people. Oh yeah. And, and so I didn't get to watch the show, but you know, that day there's all these people that could not get into the show that were trying to get in. And, and it, the show, if I recall correctly, the show wasn't even, um, you bought tickets. You had to wait when your way into the show. Yeah. So the radio station was giving away tickets and there were so many people still trying to get in and, and people that were all, they also had YouTube merchandise with them and trying to see if, if anybody in the band would sign them. I mean, it's you two in an 800 um, capacity venue. And so it was just crazy. Those guys had dinner at, at the rainbow and they were coming out and they, they were just signing whatever they could before they had to go and, and do their thing. 
but yeah. it was crazy knowing that even after this whole time they still went out and they did that yeah one last you kind of reminded me of a story back in 05 Coldplay where we're in town uh-huh and um they were gonna do a, a radio appearance but um people kind of found out and like hundreds of people showed up and then the uh radio station was kind of on the road like on the street uh-huh and the street just got crowded with people and they almost got like a a fine because of it because they didn't like get any permits or anything oh and that's because fans happen to find out only somehow they found out and that's that okay yeah it yeah. happens unfortunately that's one of those things that yeah i could see that being a big problem and that why they would get a fine and it was kind um, of funny at the time because the cops showed up and coldplay were talking to them and they kind of smoothed it out and they kind of just went away that's funny. That's <laughs> awesome, though, that they were able to come. Yeah, no, sometimes it takes a band to do that. I mean, um, I, I don't know if you're familiar with Selena. Yeah, yeah. The famous Mexican, yeah, you know, that, you know, was killed back in, like, 95. She, you know, in the movie, they show how she's getting bombarded at the mall. And those those ladies working at that dress shop, they don't, they didn't know who she was until someone that a fan showed up and they had that girl had to tell them it's Selena and she's here for the Grammys. So it's the same thing. Like sometimes like it's the, it, the artists, they keep their cool and they have to find a way to, uh, to get security or whoever to not take further actions. I'm trying to think, I mean, there's so many people like that and many musicians and, and other celebrities that will, smooth things out so that nobody else gets in trouble um yeah same thing happened a while back here i was way little but um real big fish oh yeah they were doing a signing and i guess i i'm not sure if i got the story right but um adam levine's band before maroon five um Kara's flowers they were right. doing a thing with real big fish they were doing a a sign-in thing or it was a, a performance type thing and i don't know what happened i guess the uh, uh, they had more people show up than what was expected and so yeah they had to call the cops but that's that's another story it's crazy That was my interview with the wonderful Jasmine Lemus, a writer-photographer and the creator of the Keep It Posy podcast. This has been Cambrio from cambriomusic.com. Thanks so much for coming by.